Numbers 28. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, so just follow along as I, as I um, will mention a verse so you can skip forward uh, just to kind of get a flavor of what is here. Verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food, for my offerings made, made by fire as a sweet aroma to me, you shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. Do you notice whose offering it is? Whose food it is? My offering. My food. By the way, this actually really bothers a lot of unsaved people. The God you serve. He's a jealous God. He says, my stuff, my this, my that. Of course, everyone that says this is very self. They're their own God. I tell you what, I'm glad I now. I'm glad God calls me his now. How about you? Amen. I'm glad he says that's my son. Amen. My child. It, it's not a bad, it, it doesn't bother me in the least. In fact, I rejoice that God says, you are mine. I'd rather be God's than my own. How about you? Yes. We go on. So there's this daily offering. Pick it up with verse 4. And it says, the one lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer in the evening. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour is a grain offering with the one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil. Verse 6, it is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a sweet aroma made by fire of the Lord. So now we have, there's a lamb that has to be sacrificed every morning, and a lamb has to be sacrificed every evening. Every morning, every evening. Every morning, every evening. Every morning, every evening. Never stops. A lamb offered. A lamb offered. A lamb offered. Pick it up in verse 9. Now we have the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath day, which is the seventh day of the week, Saturday or the seventh day, two lambs of their first year without blemish and two tenths, and I'm not going to go read the whole thing. So now we have the Sabbath offering. Every Saturday, add that. And Excel, you know, but, uh, the priest, they didn't have an Excel spreadsheet back then to keep track of all this. All right, we got two in the morning, one, one in the morning, one in the evening. We got Saturday. Had to know when these... Verse 11. Now we have the monthly. At the beginning of your months, you shall present a burnt offering. Now we have every new month. There's also the new moons had to be... And then we have the feasts themselves, starting with Passover in verse 16, and then into ch chapter 29. Uh, again, you have these feasts. Now turn over, that's uh, in the book of Numbers under Moses. Turn over to Acts, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Instead of Moses, now we have the apostle Paul. Those two guys are hanging out together these days, you know? Helping help Moses and Paul together. All-star team, you know, that if you look at it. But uh, here we go, uh, Romans chapter 12. Paul speaking, and now this is the new covenant. That was the old covenant, and Paul speaking. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You and I need his mercies today, don't we? We need his mercies to be what God's called us to be, to do what he's called us to do, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or means logical. Do not be conformed to this world, which is easy to do, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you again, humbly, thankful that we have your word, thankful that you gave Moses this law, that you gave Paul these words, and Lord, we want to hear them and be instructed by them, but Lord, not just instructed, but we want to apply them. We pray, Lord, that you would speak by your spirit, you'd remove every distraction from this place, from every mind, from every heart, those online, those that are here, Lord, we would just rest under the shadow of your wings, and hear from your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Like many of you, I uh, went through different books of the Bible in 2021 in my personal studies, not just my studies for the pulpit, but my personal studies. And 
And that'll happen again in 2022. I'll go through different books. I'm in the book of Isaiah right now, just my personal study. I'm uh, digging in. Lord, what do you want me to learn uh, in this particular book? And then I'm also in other passages as well. But I spent a good deal of time, and I always do, and every year I, I'm some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament. Both, I want the whole loaf of bread. The right hand, the left hand, uh, a little bit of both. But one portion I worked my way through was the Pentateuch. The first, last year in 2020, the first five books of the Bible. Um, the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, I'm not a Levitical priest. They will return in the millennium. <laughs> Only God knows who the Levites are in this. There are some out there. I believe God will divinely save them and revive the Levitical priesthood. So we don't have a Levitical priesthood in 2022 at this time, but we do have New Testament pastors, and that's what I'm called to be under the new covenant blood of Jesus. And by the way, in the millennium, the priesthood will be under the new covenant blood of Jesus too. So it's kind of a God bringing it all together full circle. But you know, my role is for the gospel and the edification of the saints within the church. And we've discussed this numerous times uh, re regarding the Old Testament and what's also called the Old Covenant. It is foundational, the Old Testament. There's pastors, we have some really hip modern pastors that will not preach from the Old Testament anymore. Uh, they don't preach well from the New Testament either, but, but they, they don't because they don't preach doctrine. They just preach their own whatever philosophies of life. But they don't, some of them flatly say, we don't really need to teach the Old Testament anymore. Yes, we do. Amen. That's what Jesus preached from. Amen. There wasn't a New Testament with Jesus. He was constantly quoting the Old Testament, constantly. It's foundational to understand the nature of God. We need to see God say, my offering, my food. Why? Because he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have to know that God's still the same. He hasn't changed. Society may change. God doesn't change. And we have the foreshadows, of course, in the Old Testament that reveal Jesus. We have the understanding that we, we better understand the spiritual life and the walk and the new covenant and the work of the Holy Spirit. Just a few things that are just in the Old Testament but more revealed in the new. At any rate, a few months back, I was um, just thinking and praying, Lord, what do you want me to appreciate related to this coming year of 2022. Is there something you want me to share with the body? And soon after, there was something that stood out to me, and it wasn't new. It wasn't like I'd never read it before. I've read the Pentateuch and the first five books numerous times. But on a particular day, I was reading here in Numbers chapter 28, which I just read from, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit narrowed my attention. You ever heard of when God just narrows you in on one little thing? Could be a verse, could be a word, could be a passage. And wanted me to just narrow in on that, and my attention was the importance that God placed on dedicating every new day. Every new day. Every Sabbath. Every month. Every feast. To Him. It, we belong to Him. The offerings belong. It's every day. It's like this intentionality, by the way. You had to be really intentional about that. You couldn't miss a day. The priest couldn't say, you know what? Last week was a really hard week. We got ice storms, so no lamb today. <laughs> the intentionality is so opposite of our casual, informal, non-committal society. Not that intentional. At least not with spiritual things. People are pretty intentional to get that Packer game. Not so intentional when it comes to things of the Lord. But God knew what Israel needed, didn't he? And he knows what we need to be perpetually new in our life. In our life of worship. Because it's the God that saved us and sustained us that knows what we need. And I was just meditating there on the depth of, of Numbers chapter 28. And, and looking at the daily sacrifices, offerings, day after day after day. Morning, evening, morning, evening. And then Romans 12 came to my mind. For under the new covenant... Aren't you glad we don't need daily sac literally daily lambs and blood of animals to be shed? I'm glad we don't need that. That's a mess. A lot of cleanup. I don't even like cleaning up when, when our kids cut themselves. You know, daily. All of this stuff. Why? Because Christ died once and for all. Once, once his shed blood was enough. 
for our sins. So although we're not required to go to the temple and we don't have to have a priesthood offering daily sacrifice in the temple, as Paul, who, Paul knew the Old Testament, he was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, he knew the law front and back. You don't think he had the Old Testament in mind when he's talking about sacrifices? Of course he does. And Paul says, hey, you don't need a daily sacrifice as far as lambs and bulls and blood and goats and all the things that Hebrews talks about, but we are commanded to be a daily sacrifice. We are now commanded. The temple of ourselves, our body, our soul, is to be a daily sacrifice. I had recently talked about not our plans and the part of uh, God's plan um, that he uses to disrupt us. I've already been disrupted a few times in 2022, and it ain't going to be the last time, right? God will disrupt our plans. Why? To make us dependent on him. To make us dependent upon him. And not on ourselves and our perceived resources. Our perceived resources can just go poof and vanish real quick. Uh, When I was in corporate America and I worked for big tech, and I did a lot of work with utilities. I, I still know, I, we, I don't care what anyone tells you, we have a lot of vulnerabilities in this country that could like go under really fast. And there's a lot of bad characters in the world that could take our grid and everything else that you can think of. In other words, what we really believe that we can hold is not always the case. God's like, that can just take wings and vanish, the scripture says. Our perceived resources, but but today, um, even though I worked on this message, you know, actually before Christmas, it actually builds on the previous two weeks. It, it wasn't my intention, but I, I see where they, they fit, where they overlay. And we're looking today, we're looking this morning at the importance of taking inventory of our surrender. Lord, uh, am I really surrendered? Am I a living sacrifice to you? Am I something else? Am I not on the altar? Am I nowhere near the altar? Are there things that are impeding a fresh new restorative work of the Spirit. Doesn't everybody want the restorative work of the Spirit? When I was a kid, my grandfather used to restore cars. He could take, I mean, I wish I had even a tenth of his skill, but he could take like these old, rusted cars and just restore them. And remember some of the cars he made? My brother Montel's on the front row. He he can vouch for me on this. But uh, he would take and restore these cars and they would go from dead as a doornail, the engine didn't work, to completely little sports car, little MG, little convertible. God's in the restoring work, but is there things impeding that restorative work? And, and we're not looking this morning at new formulas. Aren't you glad about that? We're not looking at new formulas. Yes. I'll leave that to other ministries out there. We're looking at the eternal truths that God promises to refresh our lives. God's not giving us anything new. He's giving us something eternal. Something forever. If you're taking notes, you see the word, uh, the title this morning, God's will for new beginnings, get back on the altar. And some people have never been on the altar in the first place, so God's will be speaking to you and those of you online if you've never gotten your life on the altar. He's saying, come get on the altar, but the rest of us that have, and you know, maybe we're on it now, or maybe we're close, God said, get back on the altar. If you're taking those, first thing we want to look at this morning, uh, I've titled uh, Re-Receive His Word. Re-Receive His Word. Uh, we're still in the, the first month of 2022. We have approximately 11 and a quarter months to go. We have no idea what the future holds. We have no idea. There could be, there could be things that take place on the world stage that will blow our minds but if they do, we'll say, well, it shouldn't. That was actually in the scriptures, you know, that kind of thing. Or it could be a very mundane, boring, nothing kind of year. It probably won't be. So anyway, just, say, just kind of heads up. I, I doubt that's the case. But it's possible. It's less possible than the first, uh, that it will be just boring and completely mundane. Uh, but we know for certain who holds this year, and we know who holds us. Amen? We know who holds us. And the Bible you're holding, speaking of hold, the Bible you're holding, if you're holding a Bible, 
or even if it's a digital device and it scriptures, what you're holding, it, the words of that Bible, the words of it, you're holding something that contains every single thing that we truly need, that we truly need mm-hmm. to guide us and sustain us. We can all live without another New York Times bestseller this year. We really can. That list isn't always so good. We can live without another tweet. We can live out without another billion tweets. We can live without another Facebook post this year. Yeah, a good amen on that one, right? Could be talking to a family member there. I don't know. But we can all live without another TV show. We can live without another article. We can live without another op-ed. We can live without another news cycle. We can live without another election cycle. You're like, amen to that. Yes. We're not going to escape it, I don't think. But we could live without another election cycle. But we cannot live as God intended us to live without his word. We can't live without his word. We desperately need his word. Jesus said to abide in his word. I mean, that's like being rooted in his word. As we looked at last Sunday, Jesus said, you're not to live by bread alone. Temporal things. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, you see everything around you, everything around us, everything around you and me, including me, including you, is all aging and decaying. The older you get, you really realize this. You learned words like orthopedic surgeon, you know, you, you, stuff like that. Even a brand new Tesla, which is something, unless somebody gives me one, and you're welcome to do it, but uh, unless somebody gives me one, which is not likely, I will probably never own one. But even a brand new Tesla, shiny, rolling off, the assembly line with its rechargeable battery. Sustainable, right? It's already aging and has a declining lifespan as soon as it's manufactured. It's already declining. As far as it's aging, God knows how much, how long that vehicle will last. And it's true of every single thing in this world, but not the Bible you're holding. Not the Bible you're holding. It never ages. It's ageless. It's evergreen. It's perpetual. Yes, it is ancient. God's name is the Ancient of Days. It is ancient. It is old, but it's present at the same time that it's ancient. It is contemporary at the same time that it's ancient. It is eternal. It is future. All at the same time. Matthew 24, verse 35. Jesus said these powerful words. He says, heaven and earth will pass away. Can you imagine? I mean, people love, our world worships this earth. I don't care if you're out, if someone right now is out canoeing, and that is their, they, they think that's their church service or whatever it may be. People love, but Jesus said, all the stuff that you love, and I love the Caribbean blue waters, all that stuff is going to catch on flames. He says, but my word will never pass away, ever. The word of God is the, the one and only perfect, eternal, ageless, supernatural thing that you can hold on to in this lifetime. Everything else is not supernatural. The word of God is supernatural. I was talking to you know, a, a pastor friend of mine uh, Friday and he was talking to me about a and he goes man I'm just so encouraged and you know we had this young lady she's in her mid-20s and she just totally wanted nothing to do with God walked away from her par- parents walked away from her family wanted nothing to do with God ever, just completely out in the world and then God got a hold of her and she is just she started living in her Bible and God brought her a godly man and now they're married and they're serving the Lord together and now they're back serving the Lord in his church. He goes, he goes, it was just a total no one saw it coming. That's why we pray for revival, folks. But that's what the word of God does. That's supernatural. You can't get that at a store. Amen. Or clicking on Amazon. It's supernatural. The word you're holding, unlike anything else, 
And yet it's, it's new every day. And God wants us to appreciate his word for what it is. If his word is going to survive more than this earth, why would we invest more in the earth than the word, than the word of God? The word over the world. Word greater than the world. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, great things and unsearchable has the Lord showed unto us. In other words, things we've already received for which we praise his name. But there are greater truths in his word, greater depths of experience, greater heights of fellowship, greater works of usefulness, greater discoveries of power and love. That's why we're looking at that in February. And wisdom. These we are yet to see if we are willing to believe our Lord. In other words, Charles Spurgeon was saying, no matter what God has already shown you, he can show you infinitely more because the word of God is a never-ending reservoir. It's depth. The Lord wants us to re-receive it. So I already believe the word of God. God wants you to believe it more. More. Just like you can, you can love things more, you can love the word of God more. Re-receive, re-believe his word as the power and as the wisdom and as the newness that it really is. If we can re-watch the same dumb movie ten times. I'm talking to all of us here. You know it, right? Those of you online, you know what I'm talking about. That's on, been on TBS 28 times, and I think I watched it 26. Same dumb movie for the tenth time. We need to come to the Word like it's the first time. Like it's the first time. When I was reading in Numbers chapter 28, it wasn't that I had never read, read these passages, as I mentioned, uh, related to the new months and the Sabbaths and the feast, but I, I was re-receiving them as instructional value. I, I, I need to re-receive things. I was watching, you know, I do like football, uh, I like sports and stuff, and I, I remember watching just recently uh, one of the best coaches in the country was talking about how, he says, we just spent the entire day going back through the fundamentals. And we have to re-receive. But this isn't just the fundamental. This is supernatural fundamental. It, it is elemental to our life that we need, the, we need the Word of God, as Jesus made really clear. And we, we have to re-receive the instructional value, but not just receive it at an intellectual level. Receive it at our heart level. Say, Lord, I am receiving this to walk in it, to believe in it. It took intentionality there in the Old Testament, there in the time of Moses. It took intentionality. It took a level of discipline. It took a holy reverence to implement the daily sacrifices from the priesthood, everyone that worked under Aaron. It took a lot of intentional effort. You couldn't sleep in. You couldn't mail it in. And to keep the Sabbath, to observe each new moon and each Sabbath or each festival, you had to know these things had to be kept to perfection to the extent that we can as, as human beings anyway. And we would be wise to use this new year to assess our intentional commitment to the Word of God. Where is it? it, it where is the intentional commitment to God's Word? And in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, Speaking in, in, and Paul was speaking to the failures of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, and they had a lot of failures in the wilderness. But he says, these things were written for our admonition. Admonition, it speaks of caution. It speaks of warning. It speaks of rebuke and admonition. God admonishes us because he loves us, right? right. It's a good thing. And that in and of itself is useful in saving us from unnecessary pain. Don't you like to be saved from some pain? Amen. I like it when other people have already done it royally wrong and I can learn from them. And I have a lot of that in Scripture. I can see, all right, don't do what Samson did on that kind. Don't do what David did here. Don't do what you know, uh, Moses did here. Do not slap the rock. You know, talk to the rock. You know, whatever it is. I, I, uh, these things are written for our admonishment. And I, I'm serious about that. I know that we can joke it, but I seriously, I want to learn from what people have done. I don't need to redo the same. And they would be the first to tell you. Those of you that are older, you, you don't want your kids and grandkids to make some of the mistakes you made, right? right. So when you're admonishing them, you're, you're saying, no, 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 I'm trying to save you some pain. Mm -hmm. So there's instructional value in that alone. 
But there's also the encouragement of Scripture, the guidance of Scripture, the support structure of Scripture. You can stand on... I, there's times where I have been shaken like a leaf in the ministry, and I've read a psalm or something, and I all of a sudden could charge hell with a squirt gun, right? So you have to, you have to get something that only God can give you. We talked about this last, on, on our Wednesday prayer night. Encouragement is giving courage. Discouragement is robbing someone of courage. So the Word of God is meant to encourage you. It's to give you courage. It's to build you up. It's not just to save us from things that would cause us harm, but also to take us to heights that only God could take us to. I sometimes have referred in the last few years to these seasons of Scripture. My list is growing. It's up to ten now. So... Um, and, and this is not an exhaustive list, and there's other, many other things in Scripture. We talked about Wednesday night. The Scripture is also medicine. But if you look at this list, it just gives you an idea of what Scripture does in the positive realm. First and foremost, Scripture is always there to conform us to Jesus. One of his names is the Word of God. Scripture is there because he's the Word. It conforms us to himself. It brings us the conviction we need. I can't really bring conviction to a person, neither can you. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But the Word of God by the Spirit brings conviction. So if I can get someone to read their Bible, I don't have to worry about convicting them. I couldn't if I wanted to. But the Scriptures can convict them and will convict them. Number three, it's the correction we need. It's better to be corrected by God on the front end than by law enforcement on the back end, right? The correction we need. If our young people would be corrected by the Word of God, they wouldn't need all the correction that ends up in other, other spheres. Uh, the cleansing we need. The Bible says the word washes. And of course, it, it really brings us to the place where we cry out for the washing of Christ. But the word guides us to that washing, that, that cleansing. It's the counsel we need that gives us counsel. Uh, as I said in the first service, many people, they don't really need counseling. They need the counsel of God. And there's a difference. The counsel of God, I'm not saying that counseling can't be valuable, but It'll only be valuable when people have received the counsel. One of Jesus' names is Wonderful Counselor. The clarity we need. You ever can't, can't decide between this road or this road? Lord, I need clarity. The comfort we need. You know, we have people that are mourning loved ones and whatever the situation, you've got other things in life that you need the comfort of the Scripture. Nothing will comfort you like Scripture. Picking up Time Magazine will not comfort you. It'll actually disrupt you more. The scriptures will actually comfort you. The compassion we need. We, we don't naturally have the compassion we need. The Lord instills compassion. He used the word of God to instill the compassion. Now, obviously, you have to be saved and have the Holy Spirit for this, the word and the spirit working together. But again, when I read the word, I become more compassionate for people. The call. You, you kind of, everyone has a call in this world. We're all called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're all called to that. So you, you see the call in a more regular basis as you're in the scriptures. And then lastly, uh, the courage. As I mentioned, we need uh, courage in a time where people are petrified. People are lacking courage. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you guys, I know, know this passage. I've quoted it many times. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharp. This is not true of any other book you'll ever read. No other book. No other book. I have my Kindle, and it has like a thousand books on it. None of them are living and powerful. None of them are sharper than any two-edged sword. None of them are piercing the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and a discerner and the intents of the heart. Well, I'm so glad the Word of God helps me. I can't even discern my own thoughts sometimes. How about you? And the Word of God tells me, this is your dumb thought, and this is the correct thought. This is your off-the-rails thought. This is the good, the kind of, this is going to make a bigger problem thought. This is the thought you need. Amen. And that's what the Word of God does and many other things. If we neglect the Word, we don't believe the Word. If we neglect the Word, we don't really believe it. We can say we believe it, but God said, no, no, you don't. Because if you believed it, you would be in it. If you believed that an animal, if you believed that a sacrifice had to take place in morning and evening, you would do one in morning and evening. If you don't believe one needs to be taking place, you just, oh. Aaron doesn't want to do it, God. You know, he's decided, him and the priesthood, uh, they have decided to go back and do things the way they did in Egypt, which seems to be a much better plan. Now, they made a lot of mistakes, but they didn't make that one. 
Now, if we believe it, we're going to read it and not neglect it. And we lie to ourselves um, because we really don't believe the testimony of Christ himself, who is the one that said you need this more than your necessary food. You need it more than bread alone. When the apostles asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, who is the word, teach us how to pray. He said in what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, which is really not the Lord's Prayer, the better title is the Model Prayer, Never once did Jesus have to say, you know, forgive me of my trespasses. That's for us, not for him. Uh, so it's the model prayer, not the Lord's prayer. But Jesus um, said that when they prayed, you had to ask the Father for your daily bread. Mm-hmm. And obviously this also has a lot of complimentary uh, um, allusions back to manna. Every day they had to grab just enough manna for that day. If you tried to grab too much, it would spoil their worms. And except for the, the, uh, the last, uh, the day before the Sabbath, you could grab two portions and it would last all the way through the Sabbath. So you didn't have to go out and get it. But that was the only uh, exception because the Sabbath was sanctified and sacred for that purpose. But daily bread, every, everyone understood that manna was a daily thing. It would come out every morning and there it was. And I've told you all before when I was a kid, I pictured white donuts all over the <laughs> desert. But that's not what it was. But anyway, in my mind, when I heard manna, I thought sweet 16 donuts as far as the eye could see as a kid. And, and, and went back when it was flannel grass, I, was, I don't know what they put up there, but I still saw white donuts. And that's to this day. Maybe you'll start seeing it now that way. But, um, but it was daily. They had to have daily bread. We need daily bread. We need the word daily. And Jesus told them, you're going to have to pray. You need a new portion from the Father every day. Now, God's not going to just say, I'm going to drop a verse in your head. He gives you a Bible to read. And then he magnifies his word as we read it. Now, they asked Jesus to teach and help them to pray. And that's the focus of our second imperative. And that's just for 2022. But all time. These will never change. These are eternal things. These are not just, uh, again, they're not just kind of new, hey, these are great tips for 2022. This is all of our life. Recommit to prayer because we looked at Numbers 28, which was every year. Those, those rules never changed for Israel. You know that, right? right. Now, there's times when they stopped doing things. They stopped uh, keeping the Passover, but that God never changed. And it's still, and again, they're going to have to redo all of that in the millennium reign of Christ. All that will come back because it has to be done at least a thousand years correctly. And in our lifetime, God is like, he's not holding us that same thing, but he is in principle that we become just as dependent and obedient as Israel was called to at the outset. So Jesus, speaking of prayer, Jesus was the greatest example in prayer the world has ever seen. I think we would all agree with that, right? Jesus is by far the greatest example in prayer. The disciples could ask of no greater teacher than for Jesus to teach them to learn to pray. And notice they had to learn. Those of you online, they had to learn to pray. Anything, they said, teach us how to pray. I've been praying since, I I prayed some before I was saved. How many of you prayed prayers before you ever got saved? Yeah. Get me out of this jam, and I'll never do it again. You know, that kind of thing. You know, um, you know, we've all prayed, but that doesn't mean we're in communion with God. But once you get saved, now you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, even in times that we're not even sure what in the world we should be praying. The Holy Spirit's interceding, but he is teaching us how to pray. And it's a lifetime journey. I'm, I, I'm still growing in prayer. I, th- I, I hope all of you are. That you'll grow in prayer. You can look back and say, I really... I'm even seeing more intimacy with Christ than I did before. I'm growing. I'm understanding the throne room of his grace more. So there's, uh, there's a learning. But anything that we have to learn, if they say, teach us how to pray, anything we have to learn in life takes practice. Remember uh, when Matt Wilder was up here and he was just you know, slamming it on the keyboard. I mean, just incredible talent. Uh, his grandmother was a concert pianist, gave him the baby grand because he had the same talent she could see. He has the same gift. And it was obvious that he has incredible talent. And, you know, his fingers moving down the, the ivories and just, it's a gift. And lots of people have played piano for years. and They're still clunking on it, right? Uh, so he has an, a lot of natural talent. But I was asking him, I said, so what's your routine? Now, he told me the, the day that he gave us that presentation. He has four others that he's memorized completely, in addition to that one. 
totally different. And I asked him, I said, so what's, what's kind of like, do you have to kind of, you know, because he likes to run, and he's way faster runner than I am, but uh, and you, you, if you run, you've got to do it regularly to keep up a pace and things like that. And he goes, well, as far as piano, I practice about two hours every day. I thought once you reached a certain level of expertise, it's just there forever. It doesn't work that way with piano. It doesn't work that way with prayer. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you, but you're going to keep learning for a lifetime how to pray. I've said this often in the past few years. Um, even though we have to practice these things, it's the surrender, and it takes commitment, and we all know that it takes commitment, it takes resolve to do the things God's called us to do. But it is the surrender of our hearts, it's the surrender of our will that brings the ability to stay committed and be committed. Does that make sense? Yes. So, Lord, I give myself up. God says, now you're going to be a commitment-keeping person because you've surrendered you into the help of the Holy Spirit. If our prayer life is weak, if it's non-existent, we can be sure that we're not surrendered to Jesus. If our prayer is weak and non-existent, we can be sure. I don't care who you are, whether you're online, sitting here, if you say, I hardly ever pray, I guarantee you, you're not surrendered to Jesus. That's not because I want to say that. It's just the facts. If you are surrendered to the Lord, you will have relationship with Him, communion with Him, dependence upon Him, needing to talk to Him, needing to worship. We may believe that He's Lord, but if we're not surrendered to Him as our Lord then there's not going to be a prayer life. Jesus would rise early to pray. And I'm not, and again, I, I, I don't say that every single thing you see in Scripture, uh, because Daniel played morning, evening, and noon, doesn't mean you have to follow Daniel's exact exemplary thing uh, in life. Now, there's principles that we can learn. What we learn, again, manna daily, Jesus rising early, is that number one, if we look at the life of Jesus, number one, uh, his gathering himself to pray every morning early with the Father is because of, number one, we understand his great love and his relationship with the Father. Mm -hmm. So if you love to be with your spouse, it is a lot better than you have to be with your spouse. Yes. Right? I'm not going to ask for too many amens on that because <laughs> it could go the wrong direction. But... Jesus had a great relationship. He wanted to be with the Father every morning. So God wants to cultivate that we want to be in prayer with him. Number two, Jesus prayed according to the will of God because it was the Father's plan that Jesus' life would be empowered by prayer. And so it will be with us. If you want more power in your life, you'll need a prayer life. Yeah, it will be empowered by prayer through the Holy Spirit who guides our prayers. Number three, he prayed to be an example to us of our deep need for prayer. So Jesus did these things in relationship, in power, and being empowered for ministry, and then thirdly, as an example. That's why the disciples came to him. They didn't come to anyone else. They came to Jesus, teach us how to pray. God does not need, understand, brother and sister, God does not need our prayer life. Does not need our prayer life. Doesn't need anything. We don't bring nothing but a bunch of sin and failures for the most part. Um, he doesn't need our prayer life. We need a prayer life. And a growing one by the grace and help, as Paul said, by the mercies of God. My prayer life only grows by the mercies and grace of God. By the, I beseech you by the mercies. Um, through the help of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, one of the Holy Spirit's name, and I love this, is the helper. The helper. You ever been in a situation, maybe it's in your house, something's gone wrong, you're balancing through, I can use some help here. You ever done that? And if no one comes, something breaks, something gives way, you ever, you know, been inundated, you had Christmas, family, blah, 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 uh, you know, all kinds of things, the IRS, everything else, all the stuff. Yeah. Use some help here. One of the names of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Amen. Amen. 
You'll never memorize the entire Bible, but the Holy Spirit will remind you of a verse when you need it. If you're in the Word of God and you're in prayer, the Holy Spirit will be an ever-present help. Helper. It's one of his names. So I could use some help in my life. Start praying and getting in the Word, and you'll have a helper that will never fail you in 2022. Many other things will fail you, but the Holy Spirit will not. Jesus knows that we need the work of prayer in our life, but he knows that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to pray at all. When you don't feel like praying, the Holy Spirit will help you get past the feeling. Many times I don't feel like praying. You ever have something go wrong? I had it yesterday a couple times. I had some things go wrong, and I just wanted to be mad about it. <laughs> Even if it was for a minute. Give me a minute to be ticked off about this. But the Holy Spirit says, no, pray. I don't want to pray about it. I want to be mad about it. But the Holy Spirit takes us past that. And I, I, my wife can test, I, I had a situation come up with in the neighborhood where I, just, just a little bit later, I, someone really needed help. And I immediately, because I didn't stay mad, I just prayed. God's like, now go be a light and a witness in this situation. Amen. He teaches us how to pray, what to pray. He promises to teach us. And to bring to our remembrance the words of Jesus and the word of God. And he always is going to say, no, no, no. Remember, remember when I had you hear on the radio from that message or that passage you read? Focus on that. Focus on Christ. The Holy Spirit uh, guides us and he'll, and he'll actually start to teach us to start, we talked a lot about this in our Wednesday prayer, to admit where we're really at. Not play games with God. Just admit in our prayer life. Say, Lord, this is where I'm really at. And God said, I already knew that. I wanted you to start admitting it, confessing it, not just admitting it like no big deal, but like really somewhat agonizing. Lord, I don't want to think like this. I don't want to be unforgiving. I don't want to have this attitude. Will you please change me? And he renews the mind. Amen. When we lay down, when we lay ourselves at the altar and say, Lord, I'm giving this up. I'm giving it over to you. I'm giving up my will and my way. All of that brings us to this final thing. Um, that recommitment, God wants us to kind of re-receive the word and re-invest in prayer. But all of it, as we look at this last and final point as we come to a close, he wants us to reapply his commands. Because it's the word where we get the commands of God. It's the, it, it, prayer is not the last and only command he's given us. You know, here's one. Husband loves your, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That wasn't in my notes. That must be for somebody here. It's for me too. I'm married. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. That's a command that's in the word. Right, right. To know the word is to know the commands of God. And, to, and, and you can't say, well, he considers this one important, this one he doesn't care about. He cares about all of them. Mm -hmm. He cares about the Sabbath offering. He cares about the feast offering. He cares about the daily sacrifice offering. There's none of them that he says, yeah, those aren't that big a deal to me anymore. Just chop those off the list. Mm -hmm. He cares about all of them. And so whatever, as you're in the Word and you're in prayer, God reminds us of the commands. And you'll forget, and God's very patient with us, He doesn't load them all at one time. So He's like, now, this one. Oh, I forgot all about that one. That one might require you picking up a phone and asking someone to forgive you. Leave your gift at the altar and go make things right. I mean, all these are commands in the Bible. All of the commands, God, He loves us enough that one by one, and when we do it, we get healed of all these things. Just as Jesus said that all the law and all the commands could be summed up in two commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two, Jesus said, everything hangs on those two commands. Everything. Likewise, I believe all the commands of Christ to the disciple of Christ can be summed up with an understanding of Luke 9.23, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. How often? Daily. Daily. 
and follow me. It's the same thing Paul was saying in Romans 12. That living sacrifice, daily dying to self, taking up the cross, whether you're dying on an altar or a crucifixion, it's still that picture of dying to self. The taking up that cross. It's dying, and it's dying to this world. It's dying to our own will. We have, we're, you remember there was like a book when in the 70s, Strong-Willed Child? That's like every child. Um, that's like every human being. We're all strong-willed in varying degrees. Everyone is strong-willed. Everyone is self-centered. Just some people are more dominant. They're the alpha in the room of it. But, you know, but everyone is that way. And so all of us have to die to ourselves. It's the call and the command given to every disciple of Jesus to take up our cross, to die to self. And we know from Matthew chapter 28 and the Great Commission to go into all the world that Jesus sent the apostles, and it's still into effect. He didn't send them to fill churches. I mean, I'm glad you're here this morning, but I'm not going to be, Jesus is not, when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, did you fill the church? He's not going to ask me that. Mm-hmm. He's going to say, did you preach the word faithfully? Mm-hmm. Did you preach discipleship? Did you make disciples? He's not going to, whether you come, don't come, whether you're watching online, I'm not going to be accountable for that. Did I preach the word? Did I make disciples where I could? Amen. That's it. And that's it. That's still in effect. It's to make disciples, to, that born-again believers would be surrendered to Jesus, that they would know what it means to be surrendered to his lordship and to his commands. I just mentioned the free will that God gives us um, to willingly obey him. Uh, by the way, some people in the body of Christ don't believe that there's any free will at all. I don't agree with that. I believe that, uh, that, that free will is very clear in Scripture. I believe in sovereign grace, but I believe that there's a free will that God gives to people. I think it's in the very first opening act of, all, uh, of, of humanity. Adam and Eve were given a free will choice to eat of the tree or not eat of the tree. And if you say, well, they didn't have any free will, then that would mean that God made them sin. And I know that God cannot cause a person to sin. So it had to be a free will choice right out of the gate. Amen? God didn't force them to sin. So there was a free will choice. And there has been, God gives a free will. He gives enough common grace, enough light that all can come to him. Uh, but I mentioned that you know, God gives this, you know, us, this choice to, are we going to yield to the Spirit? Are we going to lay down our life? Are we going to be a living sacrifice or not? And um, I love the words of Joshua, speaking of the Old Testament again. And you guys know this passage, but Joshua 24, 15. I hadn't thought about it in a while. It's a great one to every now and then to think about. And Joshua, uh, speaking to the children of Israel, said, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, mm-hmm. choose for this day whom you serve. You wanna, he goes, like, if you want to serve the gods of the Canaanites, go for it. Stupid decision, but if you want to do it, you can do it. You want to destroy your family and go pitch your tent towards Sodom like Lot did? You can do that. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's like, I can't make your decision for you. I can only make it for me. And this is my decision. I've decided that God is more faithful than the gods of the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. That God is worth more than all the gold that could be gathered up and wealth accumulated and all the other things. So when Paul tells the disciples in Rome, and not just the disciples in Rome, all the church that they have been called to be living sacrifices. They have a choice. Mm-hmm. They have a choice to be living sacrifices. You and I have a choice. Those of you online, we have a choice to be living sacrifices uh, that we can lay down our lives as an offering or we can say thanks but no thanks. I want salvation but I want to do whatever I please with whatever I want to do with my time, my talent, my treasure. Whereas God says, my offering, my yes. Not your time, your talent, your treasure. It he says, my offering, number two, my food. Like I said at the beginning, I'm glad I belong to God. Yes. He said, this is my Sunday. It's not even me, my time in the pulpit. God said, you are my, you're on my time. <laughs> All of us. If you belong to God, you actually start to treasure that. It doesn't, it doesn't get you upset. You actually get... I'm joyful about it, that you, it all belongs to God. 
to lay down your life. Which is, and to say, I, this is mine, I, don't want to, I just want salvation, is an incredibly ungrateful and arrogant response, isn't it? Yes. To the grace and mercy of God. Even if we don't verbalize it that way, if our actions are there, that's exactly what it is. And Romans 12 tells us, and again, it's our logical choice. It's reasonable to, given the sacrifice, Jesus shed all of his blood, he ruled the universe, and he shed his blood for us, why would we not give back our lives to him? I'm thankful we don't have to keep today all the ceremonial commandments of the, of the law. I would miss a few. Not that good at keeping that long of a list. But there's still a cost and command today. It still costs us something. It still costs our will. It still costs laying down. And Paul's reminding the saints of God just to simply represent themselves daily. Look, you don't have to have the daily sacrifice in the temple, but daily give yourself to Jesus. Daily say, Lord, I'm giving you my whole life today. Use me at work. Use me at the office. Use me at home if you're a stay-at-home mom. Use me if you're a retired person. Use me. Just, just use me for your glory. I belong to you. And when we do that, new beginnings begin every day. Tomorrow and again and again uh, with these ancient words of Scripture and the old rugged cross. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you again that your word is forever faithful and true. And Lord, that you, if we obey, if we obey and believe, if we believe first and obey these words, to, Lord, we just recommit ourselves through surrender. Lord, we just yield ourselves and say, Lord, we, we want to re-surrender to being people of the word, being your children in prayer, being those that obey your command. Not just the ones that we think we like, but all of them. And Lord, we know and we're grateful that you not only save us and seal us with the Holy Spirit, but the helper helps us when we don't want to do it. When we don't know how to do it. And Lord, you promise to be that help. 